Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good morning, Mateo. How are you? Fantastic, brother. How are you? A new week. Great yep. weekend. Tons of rain here in uh, in the in the Midwest. It's uh, we're supposed to get another two to three inches on Friday. Shit's flooding. It's crazy. Oh man, but, I was uh, in New York, freezing my ass off. It was so cold. Wait, wait, wait. Cry me a river, right? You're in New York doing what? Some bucket list stuff, but you know, you know, right? it was worth the cold. You know, seeing Nas at MSG. Nas at the Garden, yeah. First time at the Garden. First time seeing Nas at home. That was a, that was a fun trip. Dude, I um, so you shared those those picks with me. Fire, yeah. thank you. I, I I I was living vicariously through you, you know, after the fact, checking out the those uh, picks and the videos. So I, I'm a little jealous. I'm not gonna lie, but it's all good. Um, we have a great guest today, season yeah. four, episode five. A cat we've been wanting to get on the podcast for a while, and uh, we yeah. actually had an opening, and uh, he agreed last minute to jump on with us. So we appreciate it. The one and only Arthur Kolker of Stayfi. Thanks so much for joining us, Arthur. Thanks for having me. No, excited. It's awesome that we got to put this time together. So no, yeah, totally. It's uh, it, it's interesting because I, I was thinking back uh this morning, but you know, I was kind of looking over your, your profile and kind of just kind of refreshing my myself with with Stayfi, and I was thinking back to when we met, and it was I think it was my first my first event when I was with Track. And we're, it was up in, uh, Verma, New England. Oh yes. That, that's my friends. <laughs> and we, the first time I met you, I, I was invited to dinner and we were at setting dinner and it was, it was an interesting dinner if I remember correctly, but it was like, I think David Cornbreath was with, with us as well, who is no longer, you know, in the industry anymore, but he was at the time he was, uh, with, uh, Explory, yeah. uh, VPSLs. You remember that conference? <laughs> I do remember it. And I remember it was just freezing cold in Cape Cod somewhere. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was interesting, but I, you know, I know absolutely nothing of track. I was like, they're like, here, go do this, uh, do this conference. But that was, that was the first conversation I think I ever had with you. And I'm like, oh, you guys are onto something. It's kind of neat. We always talk about this. Why hospitality for you? You know, what, what was it that brought you in? You know, I, I kind of see, you know, if I'm and correct me if I'm wrong, you got some interesting things on your, your, uh, in your history and you know but the first thing i saw was like head of growth for hotel is it hotel Eid? yes uh startup that no longer exists but um that was a ota in the hotel space that tried it was i think a little bit ahead of its time it basically you would connect all your social media accounts to the tool and then hotels could target you based on your profile so now there's actually some like newer companies that are like focused on influencer marketing and like a marketplace to like target those people and bring them to your hospitality destination. But that was kind of what it was trying to do. And um, I think it was just a little bit before its time, but it was definitely a super interesting concept. Was that your first foray into this space? Was that like your like kind of your first like dipping your toes in? Yeah. So, I mean, I actually worked there when I was in business school. Um, and it was my first hospitality oriented job, let's say. 
Um, and then after business school, I took a little time off from hospitality space. I actually worked for a healthcare startup. But all my kind of career has all been centered around marketing and growth for brands. So, you know, working with brands in all sorts of different industries. Um, and then I happened to get to state by started working with a vacation rental manager company as a consultant. And that's kind of how I got introduced to this awesome industry, which clearly I loved enough to stick around and start a company in. You're based out of New York, right? Yeah. You know, so, so you get an opportunity, you're working with a property management company, you're helping them out with this thing. And, and did you just happen at that point to be like, all right, we're going to go ahead and hook you up with some great Wi-Fi shit. And, and like, I know what I'm doing. And then it just came together like, holy shit, I'm onto something. Like, how did that evolve from I'm working with a property management company and helping them do this to like, holy shit, we, we got gold here in our hands. Yeah, I mean, I think like many, especially newer property manager companies that kind of came after the rise of Airbnb, they grew up in an environment where, you know, they didn't need to develop a brand and they could source all of their bookings from OTAs. So, I mean, when they hired me, they, you know, were 99% channel bookings and they wanted to start developing a brand and drive guest loyalty. Um, and so as a consultant, the first thing I asked for is, well, how can we target people that have stayed in your properties before? Because those folks are going to be a lot easier to get to come back, especially when you have like 150 homes that sleep like an average of 12 guests. That's a lot of people. Then, you know, try to do Google ads and convert people on a website for a brand that never heard of or experienced when they already have trust in, you know, a big short-term rental OTA, right? Um, they're like, well, we have no data because, you know, we don't get any marketing data from people that book through the channels, right? So my initial intent was to find a way to seamlessly collect the data. So that was a problem I wanted to solve. Um, and so I looked for solutions that would do that for them. So we looked at all sorts of different things in the marketplace, like digital guidebooks, in-home tablets, um, existing Wi-Fi solutions that were available for, you know, coffee shops like Beanbox, which is like an awesome product for, you know, quick service restaurants, right? But those products are designed for that vertical or there are some Wi-Fi products that are designed for like any vertical, but don't do a good job of short-term rentals for all sorts of reasons. So at the end of the day, it came to the fact that there was no product that met the need of this customer. Um, and so I just needed to get a sense of were there other people in a similar situation? And then would it be worthwhile building something that could do this for them? And the answer to both those questions was yes. So that's kind of how the idea for State by germinated with that particular consulting client I had. That's fantastic. The, I mean, but thinking about that, you're, again, so you have this idea and you're, you're a consultant, you know, you're, you're doing your other job as well. Like, like there has to be a point where you're like, you know, fuck it, I'm doing this on my own. I got, the, you know, what was that, that turning point for you? Because obviously you found success with this, you know, or your client found success with this, you know, well, actually let's backtrack. What is success for what was success for that client? Like, like, was it just, okay, we got some, we can retarget because we've acquired these emails and, and now are you building out like email marketing campaigns? And yeah. So I did the like whole end to end marketing for them. I helped them build a website. I helped them not to set up email, but like Facebook and Instagram retargeting for their guests. Right. I did the traditional, like full marketing staff consulting. I actually helped them develop their brand, which came out to be Airloo. So it was kind of like approaching their business from all sorts of angles, looked at their 
guest personas? You know, what's the communication plan before arrival? How are we, what's the consistent voice around every touch point, right? And so, you know, I really thought about the data collection and marketing as just kind of a natural piece in this guest journey, where while we may be interacting with the booker, we're going to then start interacting from the brand voice to the whole guest party. And then how do we continue to engage them after the stay and educate them on the value of booking direct and the fact that as a property management company, we manage not just homes in New Orleans, but in Savannah and Nashville and Scottsdale and all the other places that they're located, right? So there's a lot of introducing the brand as a concept, which is challenging in this space because people say, we booked an Airbnb, we know property managers that say, I manage Airbnbs, which is like really oh, yeah. my least favorite thing that people say, because I'm like, you really don't. Right. Yeah. But that's a whole other story, right? So. Uh, it's you no, know, it, it, it was a real part of the story, right? You know, yeah, yeah. You know, we talk about brand a ton on on our podcast, and and you know, it, it's interesting and in, and in how important it is, but how many property managers don't necessarily, you know, it doesn't resonate with them for whatever reason. I think it, you know, over time, it's it's starting. We're starting to get that snowball effect, or you know, the whole book direct movement is is helped, but at the same time, if you look at data. It's still, you know, it's in decline still like yeah. percentage of direct bookings overall are in decline. Yeah, it, it, there's it's going the wrong direction, even with all the, you know, input. What is that saying? It's just saying that, you know, these large OTAs are still doing the job that they're set out, setting out to do. And it's, it makes it, it makes a, you what you're doing even more important. Right. I, I yeah. agree with that 100 percent. And I, so I, in your mindset, it's interesting to hear you say that it's going in decline when there's more of a, there's more of a push for this idea of getting to direct bookings. There's more avenues toward direct booking, right? And so, there, so we've highlighted that this is a path that property managers should be going to. You have conferences, you have everything that, that's going towards building out this strategy Right. And you have tools that even people who have been dependent on just it, the Airbnb platform for short term rentals now have tools to actually build that out. And I know the angst is still there. Most people hate dealing with the, the platforms in the ways that they have to deal with them and would much rather get the direct bookings. My question is, and my question, I guess to you specifically is, is it based on the push that we see uh, that the industry is going after smaller operators who don't know that and would are just dependent on maybe one or two channels. And so like, that's their lifeline. They don't even think direct booking it, it, because it seems like the bigger companies and the bigger brands in our space are, you know, have a focus, have a team, have SEO, SEO, SEO yep. all these other tools. Right. So it should be working for them. Well, I'd say there's a lot of different things going on. I would say from an overall industry standpoint, we are seeing a lot of, especially in the last two years, a lot of people booking short-term rentals for the first time. And they are going to go to the brand that they trust, which is Airbnb, typically, maybe Verbo, and then internationally, it could be some other channels, right? Like a tsunami of people, right, that are entering as guests for the first time. Right. And we're not like in the budget that Airbnb and Verbo spend on marketing. It's just astronomically higher than what, yeah. you know, short-term rental managers can compete with. So, you know. Wait, wait you don't want to go ahead and sponsor a, a Super Bowl ad? No. Yeah. So, I think we're, we're doing okay. Um, 
yeah, so that's one thing. It's just influx of guests and who they trust. And they have no idea think I'm booking Airbnb. They don't know what a property manager is. They've never heard of a short term rental brand. Like how have heard of a Costa or Sonder? They're two people. And those are obviously the biggest ones in the United States, right? So that's one angle. I think the other thing is more on the um, who's starting short-term rental businesses. A lot of people are starting an Airbnb business, and right, and that's how it's advertised to them by a lot of influencers in the space, which I think is fine because Airbnb is going to be a source of a like if you want to get bookings, like, and you're starting, that's obviously where you're going to go, right? So I don't think it's like a bad thing that you know people you know are introducing the industry to new potential business operators that way as a great first place to start. Um, so that's kind of like on the supply side, getting a lot of new entrants that honestly go to the brands and on the guest side, new entrants go to the brands. And then for the big property managers, they're like trying to fight this trend because while they may have a website and they're spending ads on search, so, you know, all the OTs are spending on the same search terms. So they're fighting them there. And that's a very hard battle to win. But I think there's a lot of different factors coming together as to why we still see channels becoming more dominant as the primary bookie source overall. But isn't that the part of the problem though? Like part of the problem is, all right, I get the SEO, I get the search and wanting to get direct bookings that way, but I would be spending more money on the people that I've had and have touched, right? It's more of like who you touch because then that's taken away. At least that's one barrier that's gone. They've been yeah. with you. If you've done a good job, they know you, you know, though now there's somewhat, you know, there's a level of familiarity to the brand, right? Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's definitely our hypothesis, right? right? Is that advertising to someone that's never stayed with you is going to be really hard because the brand trust with channels is incredibly high. Like people trust Airbnb and Verbo with some obviously complications around not every listing may be represented factually and who is managing this and is it like right. fake photos and all sorts of other stuff we know that goes on there shenanigans but generally people are going to trust those listing sites and if you're advertising as you know so and so key west rentals and your website let's be honest using your pms website builder and it doesn't look as professional as maybe we would hope um, mm -hmm. it's going to be really hard to convert someone through there if they've never heard of you have no idea who you are right so obviously once someone's in a home booked through a channel experienced it you know, those are the people that are going to be easiest to convert to come back and book directly. And those are the ones that Statefy is laser focused on educating about booking direct in the future. So, I, And I love this direction because if you if you think about it from, you know, there's you got two different, you know, buckets of like uh, property managers that are and, and how they're attacking um, and how they want to go ahead and attract bookings. Um, I would probably say that the majority of property managers, this is my opinion don't care how the bookings are coming in. They, you know, because if it is, if it is a, you know, coming from a channel, they're upcharging where they're covering the cost of that channel anyways, and they're actually making more money on that booking than if it was coming direct. Now, what, you know, depending on the size of the property manager. So with that though, I love that, you know, if they're going to spend marketing dollars on booking direct, the retargeting an approach as opposed to pay-per-click SEO and going out and promoting their 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 website, but more from like email retargeting and text retargeting and that side, you know, prior guests, I think is super smart because these are guests that they can trust. These are guests that they've had that that they know are gonna are are also gonna market for them. 
you know, that, you know, that, you know, Susie and her family stays every year in, you know, so-and-so's property, you know, and they have a great time and they get a 10% off if they rebook it during this month for the same state that they did last year, they're going to tell their friends about it. And I, so I love your approach. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that, you know, I'm, I talk to property managers all the time and there's half of them are like, they're totally fine with, you know, 90% OTA bookings. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm more of a, 70 30 60 40 split is kind of where i i think it's a as a better percentage of direct to you know ota or ota to direct but i don't know what are your thoughts uh, well let's talk about the the money side first because i think that's not the right approach is to pass is to just have your listings be the same price on your website just minus the ota fees I think you should capture part of that, right? If you're spending money on marketing, both email, search, state by a guest guide, whatever's money you're spending on marketing, you should be recapturing, you know, with kind of your own OTAC, whatever that is in your mind, what percentage makes sense. No, obviously you still want the delta between what the price is on the channel and your own website, but you should not give that all away in my opinion, right? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And maybe I, I, you know, I was calculating that in my head as part of of just, you know, the normal cost to to book direct. Yeah, I mean, I I think the, I think you should look at the cost and marketing costs. I, the OTA, you like had to hotels look at it, right? Like, you know, because hotels enforce rate parity and sort of the channels a lot more. So like the price on booking.com and the price on the hotel website are typically actually the same. And then the, you know, marketing cost to acquire the guests is significant, which is why large hotel chains and OTAs have had a long and fraught relationship. It, you know, they've delisted and relisted and renegotiated and all sorts of crazy things to try to lower what those costs are because they can even be larger. Like boutique hotels can be paying like 20% to booking.com, right? Um, uh, so those are definitely a cost to acquire a guest. I definitely think you should view them as marketing costs. And if you view them as marketing costs, right? then suddenly you realize you are spending a huge amount of money on these channels. And there's no reason why you should, once you acquire a guest through a channel, pay the channel again to acquire the same guest again, right? So um, I think it just takes a little bit of a mindset shift. If you view them as marketing costs, and then that's money that you can recapture if they book direct, you know, that definitely changes you know, how you financially evaluate where to focus and what channels are going to produce more value for you in the long term. And then not just on the financial side, you can also talk about the value of developing a loyal audience of guests, because if there is more and more supply on these channels, as we see in certain markets and demand stagnates, or is it rising as fast, right? They're going to become more competitive and the pricing pressures along with that are going to happen on those uh, certain markets, right? So having a list of loyal guests who love staying with you is going to give you a competitive advantage in the long run because when it's a bull market and demand is surging, direct booking feels less important, right? Because you right. can fill all your nights on the channels. But we know that will not last forever, right? And so you need to prepare well, we're, yourself we're, we're for already times, seeing, right? We're already yeah, seeing we know what's happening the market right is it, we're 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 flattening out now. Um, it and isn't guess, what it was, you know, and that's why it's really important in the kind of bigger like influx of demand time 
to invest in developing the loyal audience because then when the leaner times come, your business will be much more resilient if you have a both great guest and homeowner brand, which is like a separate but related issue, right? About building homeowner loyalty through a brand, but guest loyalty as well. That brand awareness amongst your target customer who loves and enjoys your properties, it will make your brand a lot more resilient when there is a downturn in demand through channels or more competition on channels or a combination of, of both, right? So it's so it actually brings up a good point because then it brings timing into perspective also, right? And we see this shift of the industry, technology, professional tools, all focusing on the large number of what we like to call hosts, right? Or the semi-professional manager, right? That could go either way. You're either going to build mm -hmm. a great business or you're tired of the hustle and you're going to either sell off to a property manager or go, you know, stop you know, doing your own properties and have somebody else do it for you. So like the sooner you start this and get this strategy in place and at least understand that you being able to keep more is one part of it, but it's also giving you the flexibility to actually do what you need to do for your business. Because a lot of what the, you know, dealing with the OTAs and dealing with these platforms, it's the lack of ability to do what you need to do with, in terms of what's best for your business, right? On that mm -hmm. side and not having, that's where the frustration comes from. It's not just, it is about the money. It is about how much you're paying for that marketing piece, but it's also about the operational aspect of it too. And you not having a, a certain amount of control with 99% of your business or hundred percent of your businesses through the OTAs, you, that's a significant portion of your business that you have no control over, right? Huge risk, huge risk. Yeah, it's an excellent, all your any excellent other context, That would be ridiculous, right? So I, I think it's smart business. And I, I like that we're, at least it seems that we're looking to expand the knowledge transfer and create it more, you know, dynamic thinking in the business, um, regardless of what level you're at. I think it'll be interesting to see what those numbers are within the next couple of years, um, especially with the amount of money that companies are spending on building brands. And is that going to translate into their direct bookings? I mean, it seems like they get it, but as you know, the funnel goes upwards, right. Uh, or you turn the funnel around and you're seeing, you know, more and new operators and, and managers and hosts come into this space. Yeah. I think the challenge for new operators is, or smaller operators, however you want to put it, or hosts, owner operators that own the properties is that you have to be wear so many hats and you're not likely to be a marketing expert, right? Or an email marketing expert. And it's very challenging. Some people are very intuitive and natural at it. And I see their websites and it's like, they get building a brand and they get how to communicate it. But for other people, that's very challenging and doesn't come naturally to them. So from my perspective, like from what Statefy is doing, we're always thinking about how do we build tools and products that make it easier for owner operators or small managers? Because honestly, they are our core customer base. Like most 95% of state by customers have less than 50 properties under management, right? Um, and don't have dedicated marketing resources. And I think this year, that's one of our biggest focuses is we call it like marketing in a box where everything is kind of built for you and you have to apply your logo basically. It, Right. We suggest right, right. for you yeah. what copy you should use and what messages you should send when. Um, and those are the products we're building now so that we make 
good marketing more accessible to more people. And that's definitely a big mission of my of state by and what I love about working with small businesses is I want to make these things that were only accessible to big brands more accessible for our smaller operators because they are the, you know, really the the center of this industry, right? Like we talk a lot about the big property managers, but they still manage a relatively small percentage of the overall market. And most properties are with semi-professional or small owner operators. That that ten to 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 ninety nine that ten to seventy five unit count is is truly it it's seventy five percent of the market. I mean it's it's an insane amount of of inventory or, or with and I'd say it takes some ten to fifty are are you know seventy percent of of the market. You know it's these these guys and gals and these people that have come into this space just like just ravenous about you know the opportunity and and. Next thing you know, they're like, oh, shit, I got a property management company. They didn't even realize they had one. And now they're like, oh, I'm behind the ball. Like, I, like what do I need to do now? You're about to celebrate your, your fifth birthday, your fifth year, your, you know, at uh, or year five, I guess, is uh, with StayFi here in May. You know, you came in as StayFi. You're more, you know, as a tech right here. We're a tech. We are a solution. We are a logistics from to help you get from point A to point B. And now you're bringing into some like you're you're building out some cool marketing things that like you know instead of just capture this and you could do something with it. You're like capture this and we're going to help you do something with it. We're going to help you get from you know to to reach more people and because we're professionals and this is what we do. When do you, looking back, what was like that turning point when you're like, oh yeah, stay five is here to stay, right? You know, in the middle of all this, COVID happened, right? We, we talk about this all the time with, with startups that, that it comes scrappy startups, they're starting it and then they're like, oh shit, COVID. Like, what are we going to do? You know, is it, you know, I think that those that are, you know, have a solid foundation and, and are able to go ahead and I hate, you know, this is a way overused word, but pivot other direction in their thought process and, and their focus during COVID. I know we've had a conversation about what, you know, in the past about, you know, that was a, a hard, but a, a focused time for you. And I'm just talking in circles here, but you know, what was that point where you're like, I got something, we have something. I mean, because for a long time it was just you. Like, yeah. Well, I'll tell you a little bit more about my philosophy behind why I did stay by the way that I did. So, I mean, really for, you know, State by is truly like a bootstrapped business as in everything we built was only funded by the revenue that actually came to the business, right? Love so it. no external stakeholders for like almost four years. And that I think builds an incredible amount of discipline in a business where everything really has to be essential and has to drive value for the customer. Like we cannot build things that do not directly help our customers build their business, right? Or else we're not going to be willing to pay for it. You know, I think that the pitfalls of venture capital funding is that when you, you know, start a business and then suddenly someone hands you $4 million, right? You know, it's hard to allocate that money effectively if you don't have a long kind of runway in the industry and understand what the customers really want, what's vital, what's kind of ancillary that's not going to move the needle. And you can also acquire a lot of customers through brute money, but are they going to stay around because the product can't deliver based on the promise, right? So 
VC money can be amazing at the right time, at the right place, with the right idea, but the execution and follow through and getting everything right is so challenging. And that's why most VC-backed companies don't succeed because they get all those things and they can't get through that time. But when they do succeed, they can become, you know, billion-dollar unicorn companies. So the upside is insane, but there's really, really hard to execute. Bootstrapping, you kind of have to do it a certain way because you have no other choice. Um, and that way your business is super capital efficient. And, you know, that's why kind of during the 2020 period where a lot of our customers stopped paying, you know, I focused totally on building a self-service product where anyone can onboard, set it up, use it and never speak to us because I can't hire a support person to talk right. to these people. Right. So it has to be self-service. Like there is no other choice. Right. Um, and then how do you figure out what the product looks like to achieve that goal and what things are vital to make it work and what things will just complicate it or make it too difficult for people to do, right? So that was the mindset I took when it comes to building the business um, and why it has to work the way that it does. Because when you're a solo founder with no employees, it has to work that way or else the company will fail. Now to today, obviously, we did raise a very small amount of money, primarily from our customers, which is awesome to see them want to invest in the product, um, which mm-hmm. allows us invest a little bit more in tech and things that we know that we need to build, things like the marketing tools. And then on the flip side, it's more data. So like our big push this year is not just let's develop the marketing in a box. And we have email and text, but how do we make it even easier and more accessible? Other side is how do we integrate more data into the marketing platform? And so that's when we're building as fast as we can, as many property management software integrations, which is challenging because the market is so fragmented, but I think we have eight done so far. And that way we pull the data in and then let you market to it, whether you're collecting it through Wi-Fi or not. I think that's a really important pivot for us is Wi-Fi becomes one channel to acquire guest data, but we want to hook up with your website, your property management software, other sources of data and then provide the tools to market to all of that information. So Wi-Fi becomes one channel to acquire data, and then we're providing all the tools to market to that data. And we want to augment it with all the other places that you have guest information that's valuable for you. I'm, I'm a huge proponent and fan of data that actually matters, right? You know, data that you, you can actually are, is actionable, you can do stuff with, you know, where you can build case studies out, um, where you, you know, where you can go ahead and, you know, We've seen we've seen this coming in, and we're able to action on this, and this is the result. And this seems like a perfect platform to do so. Where some of the other data you're getting, and which is super important, like data drives everything, and we know that. And there's some great platforms out there, and we're we're all pulling that data as 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 uh, as vendors in the space. We're all we all rely on this data all day, every day, um, and so do property managers. But still, it's very you know, it's a bunch of scrape data that's, that's coming in from, you know, OTAs, which we're trying to pull our, you know, our reliance from anyway. So this data to me seems more authentic. This data seems more like focused specifically to that property management company and or hosts or whatever. Yeah. Well, this is kind of, um, I don't know, this might be a weird analogy, but I learned this at a marketing conference once. And I really like when I did marketing, I was a big believer in this and it's about like, optimizing around the right thing or like, I don't know if you ever took did a math where you have like 
bunch of peaks and like you are optimizing around the wrong thing, that's not going to give you a high enough return. So I see a lot of folks, they're like very focused on optimizing like conversion on their website or like click through on their email, right? But are you really focused on optimizing around the right set of data? So like you can be pulling data in from, you know, pricing tools and great market data. And then you have like guest data. It's kind of like which data by focusing on and optimizing, like I think pricing is like an obviously super, super, super important one that I spend a lot of time on, right? But I see a lot of people wasting their time focused on data or data sets that don't really matter for their business. And then even if you move the needle, isn't going to move the needle for your overall business. So I really think it's stepping back, looking at like what thing if I spend time on is going to generate the most ROI for my business, right? Um, and that's something I keep in mind a lot. So it's easy to get overwhelmed, but you know, it's important to sometimes take a step back and think about is what I'm focusing on really going to deliver the most ROI or should I be thinking of like a totally different project or a different set of data? That if I were to work on this and think about how to improve how we're handling this data or optimizing our pricing or marketing to our guests, is that going to generate more ROI for me? Um, so it's easy to get sucked into one narrow view, but it's always important to step back and look at holistically your business, what area is going to give you the most impact when you focus on it. I love it. And, you know, ultimately that, that new, that needle that we're, we're, you know, as, as business owners that, you know, we should all be focused on is, is revenue. Right. And, in you know, in, profitability, I would say. Profitability, yeah, right. Yeah. No, I'm you, with you. you. Yeah, yeah, look. But you can become less profitable. So. Exactly. Yeah. It's what you yeah. cheat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like, I mean, that's like the classic story of um, startups, right? It's like every dollar I, I bring in, I'm spending a dollar and 20 to acquire. So actually the higher, faster my revenue grows, the faster I'm going to go out of business. So revenue is super important, but you have to look at, you know, what's the cost of that revenue, right? So, and I think we see that with some of the really, really big operators that are publicly traded is that the faster they grow, the faster they lose money, which is, you know, when you have some something wrong with your business model and that growing faster actually isn't not always a great thing because whatever cost savings you were looking to achieve at scale are not occurring. No, hundred percent. Let me, let me, so that actually brings up a good question because I I don't want to just gloss over the fact like solo founder, startup, pulling yourself up in it five years, all of those things are, you know, applause worthy for sure. So congratulations, you know, to you on that. I think it's it's also suffice it to say that it, you know it's been some turbulent times, right? That you've been through, and in, in what you were just speaking through about COVID, as a leader, as a as a founder, as someone that's you know brought this through and and literally had to kind of do it on your own, right? Like you're you're the antithesis to what most people say, right? Like you can't make it on your own. It's your people. It's your culture. How does your path and what you're building with StayFi, you know? How did how did these opportunities shape you in a way that other business owners, other people who are in your space, other founders, other people like John and I that that are hustling and, and out here, you know, in, in leadership positions, building something that, you know, we want to last right five years, 10 years. You know, talk to us some of the lessons you learned. Talk to us about, you know, what were the keys to success for you? Um, that have allowed you to stay uh, in a space that's seen a I'll lot say of that, I'll, I'd say, a, yeah, I'd say a lot of how I approach building the business is informed 
by working at other startups in the past, right? Mm. So I've worked at startups that did well, that failed. And I think those like through like maybe not even my personal failure, but working in a company that failed, right? You will learn a lot about how you want to run a business and how you don't want to run a business. I think number one for me is yes, solo founder, but also highly aware of what I'm not good at or really bad at um, and hiring for those very specific needs. That's like, you need some level of self-awareness, but, but you also need like a high level of delusion because in my mind, like there is no other, like I can't imagine not continuing and succeeding. Like there's no, no other path has ever like occurred to me over the five years. Like I've never said, I want to stop and do something else. So you definitely need that level, a good mix of delusion, but then also self-awareness to know what you need to hire people to help you do. So it's, it's a weird mix of those, those two things. I think is definitely helpful for, at least for me. Love it. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, let's, let's, you know, you you talked about hiring, you know, you hire some, some, some great teammates, you know, shout out to Talia. Yeah. Um, Talia. And uh, what's, I'm sorry, I, I Oliver came from Price Lab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They're definitely like the two industry folks I hired. Yeah, and so I mean, also big thing is this is a small industry, especially within the vendor slash large property management world. And if you don't deliver or you kind of f people over, like people talk and they'll figure it out. So I mean, also you need to be a at least for me, I think being an honest, ethical business person that delivers on what they say they're going to do is super, super, super important. And for me, that's always number one. And obviously, like we've all dealt with some like shady characters in this industry, both vendors or property managers. And you just know, I get that like sixth sense that something isn't on the up and up. And that's right. the vibe avoid like the plague, even if it may seem like easy money in the moment. Or you get the sense of like people are dipping their toes in and they're just going to leave because they're like, Let's see if my product works here. And if it doesn't, I'm going to just like exit out. So it's, it's kind of understanding like who are trustworthy, reliable partners. And then understanding like who's here just for a minute and who's going to last. Right. So, and then building relationships with the people you think are going to, you know, you can work and help each other, both deliver value. And also in this space, you know, I'd say while there is healthy competition, it's a very open market. So. I don't think of competition as a threat. Like if someone says, you know what? I didn't want to invest in state, but I decided I want to get a digital guest guide with DAC. I'm like fantastic because there are a thousand other people that don't have either product that we can go market to, right? Right. So there's so much open space in the industry. It's better just to continue collaborating. If you get in the mindset of like, it's me versus them, you know, it's, it's a not it, it all comes back deep. around it's gonna it's gonna come back around at the end right so having having that mindset all either yeah 100 percent. having that mindset has been super you know important for myself and you know and mateo as well you know just building what we've built you know i unfortunately i haven't stayed at one company for <laughs> I, I you know from the outside looking in i kind of look like a jumper you know, circumstantially each, each time I it's, I'm, I'm going up the ladder. So, you know, life is good, but it's, it's also, you know, I haven't burned any bridges and I'll never burn bridges because that, you know, it's, it's, you're building a reputation, you're building relationships and in you're hundred percent true being able to come through and, you know, and deliver on what you say you're going to deliver and in, in solidifying these relationships, because you never know what's going to be in, you know, around the corner and competition is competition. But at the same time, 
some that person that chose Dak instead of you, great. But in a year, they might it might not work out, and maybe they'll come back to you. And you know, and so who cares? There, or will so work out, and now they want to invest in a different product. A hundred percent. One way or another, it, it doesn't yeah. matter because yeah. there's so much opportunity. Yeah. You know, we're, we're getting toward the end here, but I, I want to make sure that that you you do get a chance to kind of talk about you know. You know, what's new for, for StayFi? You know, you talked about this, you know, marketing kind of thing in a box, but, you know, we know we're going to be seeing you at the shows. We know that, you know, you know, everyone's talking about you. You know, I actually, I think I saw a social post yesterday talking, you know, there's a, a conference out west and, hey, StayFi was the talk of, of a conference. Uh, so that's exciting. But what's new for you and, and what's new for your, your clients? Yeah, I'd say, you know, number one for us is, integration with more third-party software like obviously we want to do integration with direct right it's just there's 75 people we have to do this with that takes time because stayfi will position itself as a tool that you can use without the wi-fi component so for us it's like we're a guest marketing tool and we will connect to whatever data that you have um and which may include our wi-fi product or not um, so I definitely encourage people, you know, that's going to be like a brand shift for us that we're not just a Wi-Fi business, that we're like a marketing company with a Wi-Fi product. Um, but that's kind of the big communication story over the course of the year as a brand. And so I would encourage people that even if you don't want to make an investment in Wi-Fi, your homeowners don't, or you're skeptical that guests would want to do this. Um, I think you can still come to our product and use email and text marketing with the data you already have. And then if you see success there, Wi-Fi becomes an additional source to layer on. Um, so we're moving from mark a Wi-Fi company to a guest marketing company. And I think that's going to like help open up who we can attract as a customer and then help them on that journey to developing a brand and meeting them at whatever stage they're at. Uh, to get there and collect more data in the end. Love it. Where where are we going to see you next? Oh, well, I'll be at Kansas, next, um, Kansas City. Yeah. 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 yeah I think so. We're going to probably do a few less connections this year, actually. Um, but we're going to like double down the big ones. So we're going bigger at Verma in Orlando because that was such a successful conference for us last year. So I spread myself a little too thin last year. And I feel like when you don't, execute the conference well then it's like why even bother because you didn't bring enough people you didn't collect the leads and do the follow-up and there's so much work around each one really gonna be more focused and intentional this year and then i think you know next year when we feel like we have more products to bring to market again and there's like a bigger story to tell i think we might go big again but it's kind of like you know we'll see where where we end up this year but definitely a few less places and and more focused on building out new things within StayFi to bring to market next year. Love it. So check out our website. We're going to have a link to StayFi. You can learn more there. Um, if you're going to the Vermas or other shows, you can go ahead and learn about StayFi and, and meet with Arthur and his team there. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate you. That's been a blast. Um, and, you know, yes, you did look cute. So I, you know, that was a, a reference to a conversation we had um, on uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> And appreciate you. And if you're watching on, you know, YouTube, please go ahead, like, share, you know, do what you do there. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a review. 
give us five stars. Let us know what you think. We appreciate you. And thanks so much for joining us. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.